Welcome to Mihinte on Air on 100.5 and 790 News Radio WSGW and online WSGW.com. Now, here is your host, Larry Rodarte. speak of a legacy, it is most often something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor. That is just what the late Daniel and Candelaria Garza passed on to their children, Betty and Antonio Garza. Their legacy was the El Farolito Mexican restaurant, a staple in the Saginaw community for more than 55 years. When they came here, um, my, my father followed my mother because uh, she was a migrant worker. He married her in Carroll, Michigan. He got a job at the plant, and the rest of the relatives were moving around, so my mom got a job at the restaurant with Mrs. Rodriguez. About four years later, they uh, they uh, wind up buying the restaurant from Carolina Rodriguez, who was the uh, original owner, from what I know. Hello, hello, mi gente. Welcome to Mi Gente on Air. We celebrate Latino culture, concerns, and contributions. And that soundbite you just heard is of Tony and Betty Garza from their Adelante Legacy Award video from 2014. And yes, part of the beautiful Mexican tradition within the Saginaw community is the restaurant staple of El Farolito. The longtime eatery was on Washington Street for over 50 years, more like uh, 60, and that was near the gray iron plant where there was access to many of the workers back in the day. Well, today the El Farolito restaurant can be found in the SVRC marketplace in the former Saginaw News Building. There is some great history for this restaurant, and today I have Mr. Antonio Garza to talk about the family business. Tony, how are you? Hey, Larry, I'm doing fine, doing fine. Yep. You look great, you look great, and, and thank you for coming into the studio as a studio guest. After the pandemic, we're finally opening up and we're uh, moving out of the tunnel. So tell me, you know, your family has been in the restaurant business for a long time. How does that make you feel to, to, to hear that intro and to talk about El Farolito? Well, it really makes me feel great and very proud. Um, like Like you said, we've been around... We're probably about the oldest Mexican restaurant still operating today. Yeah. Yeah, it's over close to 70 years. Wow, that, that is a legacy. I'm, I mean, we you, they started, like we said, on Washington. They had a restaurant in Bay City at one point. There was the Hamilton Street restaurant that was a long time uh, mm-hmm. there as well in the 90s and 2000s. And then you also uh, were doing a food truck. And... Now you have it at the SVRC, so I mean that that's quite a that's quite a legacy there, man. I can see why uh, you continue going and you you started running at the SVRC Marketplace. What was it like two years ago? Yes, about two years ago we opened up there and uh, it's it's been going quite well for us. And then boom, the pandemic hits, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. of all times, after you, you know, because I I worked with you 
you know, to help in, in the, the marketing of the new restaurant at the SVRC building. And it was just a new endeavor for the city of Saginaw. And it was great that um, everybody came together and then the pandemic hit. So what was that like for you? Tell us a little bit about that, because we know that like the Bay City market didn't survive. Right, right. Um, well, the, the pandemic hit everybody hard. Yes. But it but it hit uh, more uh, brick-and-mortar businesses a lot harder than it hit us. Uh, for one, um, the SVRC marketplace is uh, funded by government money, mm-hmm. you know, a portion of it subsidized. So they do have government money coming in, and, and you know, and the government was been trying to give us stimulus packages even now. Right. So that's helped quite a bit. But um, the thing is, at the marketplace, we're kind of set up for uh, curbside service. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is kind of made in takeout and disposable, so we are very COVID-friendly. Right, So, right. Uh, So it, it, that it helped. It, it helped. Uh, the hard part was uh, when they locked down everybody. Everybody wasn't supposed to be driving and getting down. So what also helped us get through the through those tough times were uh, uh, Uber Eats and Grubhub. We really? Sent, and then us. So we, we were delivering personally, and then we had those other two. Mm-hmm. Then we had those other two uh, uh, delivering for us, too, so that helped out. Wow, I didn't know that. That's great. That's mm-hmm. great because I, I know with what we do at the Union Civica Mexicana, uh, it was tough because we had to have people – just drive up, stay in their vehicles. A lot of them didn't want to. They wanted to actually get down because that's what they were used to. And we said, no, stay in your vehicle. My staff will come out. They'll have their mask on, you know, have a mask on as well just for safety precautions. So, I mean, it, it was it was a lot. And thank God we got through it and, and we're beyond that. But we're still like um, we're still in a pandemic and we still have to be cautious. But I want to talk a little bit, Tony, about um, the history with your your parents, Daniel and Candelaria. I love saying that name, <laughs> Candelaria. And I know you you named your daughter Bella yeah. Candelaria, her Candelaria. middle name. So, tell me a little bit. Um, how do you see them as you know pioneering entrepreneurs as their son? You know, it's funny how they got involved in the restaurant business. Uh, basically, uh, my dad wanted to be near my mom. My mom was a waitress, so. He applied for a dishwasher, and then they taught him how to cook. And uh, his mainly background was uh, German food. Really, he knew how to to cook German food. Where 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 would he learn that? Being that he was an immigrant yeah. from Mexico. Mexico. Yes, yes. Uh, he uh, he got a job in Texas, and that's where he met his met my ma. Mm-hmm. She was a salesperson at a at a clothing store, and she would go, they would send her to get the lunches, and he was working at the, a German diner. And then um, they, they they developed a rapport, mm-hmm. and she said, "Well, we're coming up here to work in the fields. Why don't you come too?" Wow! And uh, so what? So what was the trajectory? They, where, where was he from in Mexico? San Luis Potosí, oh, Mexico. San Luis Potosí, the yeah. beautiful city of San Luis. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then um, she was from where? Edinburgh, Texas. Edinburgh. Okay, so they went from San Luis Potosí, then he moved up, met her in Edinburgh. Yes. And then, O'Brien, what time frame are you talking that they came to Michigan? In in the 40s. In In the the 40s. 40s. Wow. Yeah. So, and then they met 
um, Mrs. Rodriguez yes, at the me. restaurant. What was that restaurant called? It was called El Faralito. Oh, it even had the original name, yes, El Faralito. Okay, so she worked for Mrs. Rodriguez. Yes. And as a waitress, uh-huh. teams up with your dad there, my right? Da- my dad got a job because he wanted to see her and talk to her. <laughs> and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Do that what makes they sense. do back then, and uh, and in and, and they had the the the, the gray iron plant across the street, basically. So oh, I mean, yeah. and that was the heyday yeah. of the GM plant. Yeah, well, they, it still is today. And they met, and uh, they got married where. In Carroll, Michigan. Carroll, Michigan. Okay, yeah. I remember the wedding pictures your sister Betty shared with me. So yes. uh-huh. that that was what year? Uh, 19... Mid-40s. Mid-40s, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then they get the restaurant from Mrs. Rodriguez around 1953, correct? Uh, more or less, I, I got around 47. Around 47? Yeah. Wow. 47, yeah. So, yeah, so when we honored uh, Tony and his sister with the Adelante Legacy Award in 2014, at that time, um, it was like 53 years. That's why I'm thinking that number. Yeah. I think that... It was 53 years that they had started that um, restaurant, take, taking it over. So now, you know, here we are, 2021, <laughs> and um, you've got the SVRC, uh, El Faralito, um, and you also are doing like food truck business. Yeah, as yeah, well. the pop-ups. Uh, yeah, th- those became those became really popular for us. Uh, people like our little pop-ups. You know, it's like an extension of our business. Mm-hmm. And we normally try to do the pop-ups when we're closed at the at the main location. So, you know, we give people some diversity and and, and some ability to to shop with us there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's really um, something to see. I, I saw you at the auto. Where was that auto? Uh, uh, Advance Auto. Advance Auto there yeah. on Bay Road, and and you were uh, there with your pop-up and. You're seeing a lot more of these food trucks and pop-ups all around our community, all around uh, the United States. But um, you're seeing a lot of uh, Mexican and young Mexican entrepreneurs who are starting to get into the food business. What would you say to those who are just starting out in the business? Well, uh, preparation is key. Uh, to be consistent in, in, in business and in anything you do, whether you're consistently good or bad, but try to be consistent because nowadays the the customers are, are very knowledgeable now mm-hmm. and they know what they want and they want a good value for their money. Yes. And and, uh, and uh, a lot of them, uh, they know how to make it. They're very knowledgeable as far as in cooking too. And uh, their the palates have, have definitely uh, rose over the years. Yeah, you know, yeah. before some people may just eat anything. But now they're very particular <laughs> yeah. about what they eat and what seasons and spices are in there. Well, well, that takes me back to your father now, because I remember in the interview with you and Betty way back in 2014, mm-hmm. she talked about him um, bringing to our community, well, like that they cook lingua. Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, uh, some other she goat goat meat. What was that called? The goat meat? Birria. Birria. And that's the birria tacos yes, today, it is. isn't it? <laughs> very very popular taco for us. Very popular taco, yep. Well, we make the birria, the, the birria taco with uh, roasted beef. Roasted beef. Um, for one, uh, we couldn't get a steady supply of goat consistently. Right. Yeah. And goat is very expensive. And, and personally, 
it tastes a little gamey to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, let's just try it with uh, with roasted steak, and it's worked out quite well for us. Okay, and now you have the roasted steak, and it's put into a corn tortilla that has been dipped in the sauce. Tell me about the sauce. Oh. I, I don't want I don't want your secrets. I just want to know about the sauce, what it kind of is made of. <laughs> well, you know. There's not really much secrets to it. Um, the sauce takes quite a bit of uh, time to prepare. Um, you can, we use about four different kinds of chilies that we blend down and, mm-hmm. and, and reduce in there, along with other seasonings like onions and cilantro, along with the uh, the drippings of the meat. The meat takes about 14 hours to prepare. Wow. 14 hours, and the sauce takes about... Usually about five hours to, to reduce. That's a, that's a lot of work there, you know. I tasted it. It reminded me of um, like the enchilada sauce that my great-grandmother made from Michoacan, Mexico. Wow. It was very authentic. It, get, it, I, it had that same flair, and that's the kind of the chilies that uh, we use also in pozole, mm-hmm. as well as the, the old-style enchiladas. You know, many people today, they make their enchiladas from the cans that they buy yeah. at you know, Save-A-Lot or, or what, what have you. But if you're old school and you actually start from scratch and you build them and you boil them and, you know, they're from like chili guajillo or chili ancho, I mean, those... That's the old style way, and it gives you definitely a distinct flavor. And you add your your comino and all your your spices and all that, and you've got that real authentic taste. And that's what I taste when I taste the barilla taco at El Farolito. Yeah, you know that. Uh, it takes time. Yes, you know that. You know that as well as anybody. It takes time. Heck yeah, I'd rather get. I'd rather get it from a can too. It's easier. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. if you want, if you want good authentic taste. And you yeah. want your customers to come back? Well, then you're going to do the old school way yeah. because that's that's the authentic Mexican tradition, right? It, exactly, and we, and we make everything fresh every day, and uh, pretty much just to order, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know it may take a little longer, but but it's going to be definitely worth it. Well, I that barilla taco that you that we're talking about today. If you haven't had it, go over to the SVRC. El Farolito uh, restaurant there and, and and taste it because it's it's not something that traditionally we have had through the years here in Saginaw. It's it's more something you know down Texas down of course in Mexico. But I think with what Tony and El Farolito as well as some of the other culinary experts around here, they're bringing that barilla taco into Saginaw and everybody's really loving it. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like a specialty, and um, it's it's something even in uh, Southwest Detroit you will find as well at some of the restaurants, and it's great, great Mexican food. So, what are your other specialties there at the SVRC location? Well, again, uh, it, we use our staples that we've sold over the years for forever, which would be our enchiladas mm-hmm. and our our diced beef. Mm, you're making me hungry. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and. Uh, and you know we do various uh, combinations of street tacos, from tacos al pastor to carne asada to uh, tacos de pollo. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the, the the tacos de pollo are the chicken tacos. Yes, yes. The carne asada tacos steak. are the the steak. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got the. I I want to know. Do you actually um, use the same recipes that your father taught you guys? Yes, yes, we do. Uh, we use. Uh, the exact same recipes because pretty much that's the only way we know how to cook. Yeah. You know, so that that's no problem. So we try to get it as close as to his recipes as possible. 
The bad thing about his recipes is he never measured anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure everyone can find, you know, from trying to get the recipe from the grandma, how to make tortillas or whatever. Yes. They, they, they don't measure nothing. They just grab and throw, you know, and it comes out perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's because amazing. we do a pinch here, a pinch there. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's it's really hard, you know, even to teach somebody, your cooks, uh, to follow your method, methodology. Mm-hmm. It can be difficult. I, I have the same issues at the Civica when I'm trying to teach how to do the patitos and how to do the masa and you know just because you want it to be all similar consistent. in the same consistent taste exactly because that's what they're expecting exactly and so yeah it's 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 important um, you try to write things down uh, my family came out with a cookbook this week and oh, fantastic. some not this week this year uh-huh. and you know I put in some of my recipes and I had to say okay how much of the comino do you put in there? How much onion do you put in there? You know, how much garlic? I mean, it's it's you have to really think about it. Yeah. And in in the process, when you practice and cook, that's when you kind of get your own flavors that are more consistent, and that is what the people expect. So exactly, yeah. that's just fine tuning it. Fine. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. El Farolito Mexican Restaurant received national honors from Hispanic Magazine. Uh, when you guys were on Hamilton Street, I remember in, I think, 97, 98, 99, three years in a row, they uh, were given the distinction of one of the top 50 restaurants in the United States, believe that or not, when they were on Hamilton Street. And, you know, the old park signage, um, the neon park that we have in Old Town, um, has the original restaurant uh, sign. It hangs there, which is beautiful to see. And, you know... I think about all these things, and I can see why you're here in 2021, 60 years after your parents started, almost like you said, 70, actually, because I was a little bit off on my years. Hmm. You know, 2021, and you're selling to our community still. I mean, that that is a long time, Tony. That hmm. is a long time, you know, and, and, and how do you feel about that? Well, uh, we still feel we have something to offer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Every, everybody's pretty good. You know, we're all good, and we all have a different style, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, we want to be, you know, we go to you for patitos at Union Civica, and we go to others for other things, right, you know. Right, right. So we do all have something to offer, you yeah. know. We all have our twist on it, and and and, and uh, the palates, you know, make the decision of where they want to go and have Mexican food. Yeah, to offer that variety in our community in Saginaw County, Bay County. You know, it's awesome that we have different variety of Mexican foods because you don't want it all to taste the same. You no. want to, you know, have a little bit of Texas flair, Mexican flair from Mexico, as well as even our own Saginaw flair. Because I've said this before on this program, you know, when you go and visit a foreign land, like I travel to Europe. And I go there. I'm not going to expect the food to taste like Saginaw food. I don't want it to, right? You want it to yeah. taste, uh, you know, have an authentic- authenticity of wherever you're visiting. And it really upsets me when I have people who come in from either Texas or Mexico, and they say, "Oh, this food up here, it ain't don't it don't taste right." You know, it, it's like, come on, it's not going to taste exactly like your food. Because we're from Saginaw, Michigan, right? So right. that that's that's one of my pet peeves because I get that sometimes. And they say, "What a patito? What's a patito?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I heard I had somebody call in uh, the other day and they asked for a chalupa, and I'm like, "This isn't Taco Bell." 
<laughs> you know, so I mean, it, it's 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 pretty funny, you know. But we we go on, and you know, we we are offering these foods to our community at large, and they're loving it. I can see definitely that uh, it's picked up the business um, in terms of you know Mexican food, and everybody's loving it, and it's 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 a nice thing to see because you know sometimes it's been difficult especially these last four or five years, you know, with the administration, the previous administration. So I'm so glad that still our Mexican culture through our food has been readily accepted, you know. And, you know, your father was an immigrant, and he came to Texas and then ultimately to Saginaw, and he offered his best. He offered his best and was a hard worker. He worked in the fields. He worked in the restaurant business for so many years. What do you think he would say if he could say something today that here you are, you and Betty, in 2021, still in the restaurant business? <laughs> he, he would probably say we're not working enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, if you got time to, to do th- other things, you got too much time. You need to be working. Yeah. 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 Isn't, isn't that their legacy, that, yeah. that great generation that um, really was were workaholics and you know, they were trying to fulfill their American dream. Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. And and tell me, um, Betty Garza, your sister, yes. she's been a long-time uh, worker in the El Farolito chains. Mm-hmm. And, and I call it chains because you had restaurants, like I said, in Bay City, Saginaw, and a couple different um, entities. So h- how is Betty doing these days, and how is she with um, working there at the restaurant at SVRC? Well, well, Betty's pretty much holding it down. Um, she... Uh, she runs a lot of the day-to-day operations. You know, um, I I contribute more or less part-time myself just to give her a break. But mm-hmm. pretty much she's the primary one there, and she's running things and cooking things and, uh, you know, doing what she can to keep it going, you know. We all, we both have a passion for it, so mm-hmm. that helps out a lot. Well, I, I really hope that uh, the community supports El Farolito as well as the SVRC marketplace now that, you know, we're kind of reopening more even even though we were open. But, you know, we have to do our part as a community to support local small businesses. And the SVRC marketplace has, a, we got a great thing going there. If you haven't been there yet, everybody should have been there by now, but it's, it's really nice and you got a different variety of vendors and foods and it's just nice to see all that there happening in the old Saginaw News Building. And um, Saginaw Downtown, I feel, you know, is coming back with Valerie's uh, um, eatery there as well. Yes. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we just got to do our part to um, really support that. So I, you know, really want to thank you, Tony, for um, uh, doing what you do all these years. We're going to go into commercial, but I, I want to come back with Tony and talk a little bit more about the Garza family legacy, which is the El Faralito restaurant that so many of us have been privy to for for many years, especially all those gray iron plant uh, workers that were there at the plant. And I want to know a little bit more when we come back about that great delicious food, right? So you're going to tell me a little bit more? Oh, sure. And you're going to tell me uh, the, the ins and outs of SVRC and, and, okay. and where it exactly is at 203 South Washington. Yes. And you're going to talk to a little bit more about the delicious culinary foods that you offer there. 
Fantastic. All right, so we'll be right back on Mi Gente on Air. This is Mihinta On Air on WSGW. On air on WSGW. Welcome back, welcome back, Mi gente. Thank you for being with us this Sunday evening as we celebrate the culinary foods of the long stapled restaurant in Saginaw, El Farralito. And I've got my guests here today in studio, Mr. Antonio Garza. We know him as Tony, and it's such a pleasure to have you here, longtime friend, Buena Vista graduate. He and I didn't see eye to eye back in the day when we were in high school because I went to Bridgeport, and you know how that always goes. <laughs> and he's laughing now. But tell me, Tony, what does El Faralito actually mean for our non-Spanish-speaking guests? Well, um, the translation of El Faralito means a little lantern, little light. Uh, so if we were an English restaurant would be called the Little Lantern Restaurant. Hmm. And and that was actually named by the previous owner. Exactly. Bef- uh, before mm-hmm. you, Mrs. Rodriguez, before your parents. And it was probably something that um, had to do with um, the Gray Iron Plant. You know, you guys were like the, the little light there on Washington, South mm-hmm. Washington, where all the workers could go to. And especially a lot of those that were in the first ward uh, area there that is still in existence. And so um, El Farolito is the name that we have all known and grown up with for so many years. And I want to bring out the point that with Tony's parents' restaurant, and he's saying you know they bought it in 1947 or so, you were just a baby then. You were born into this business, weren't you? Y- yes, I was. Uh, what's, your, what's your earliest memory? <laughs> my, my earliest memory is... Uh, Going to work with my mom. This would be in the uh, in the late sixties, and uh, going to work with my mom. And you know, uh, they really didn't have too many babysitters back then, and and uh, just hanging out at the restaurant and coloring and sleeping in the booth. Sleeping in the booth. Yes. Yes. It's really crazy. Um, I would I would go to sleep in a booth, and then. Uh, my mom would wait for my sister to come back or, or whatever to go back to the house from wherever she was. And then she would put me in a cab because there was a cab driver that would come there and eat his lunches. And uh, she felt very comfortable with him, and he would take me home. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't do that today, would they? <laughs> no, no, no. It's amazing the things they did back then, you know. Yeah, that's that's pretty yeah, funny. So, so yeah, yeah. Uh, the cab driver would take me home, and my mom would be working the rest of her shift. Now, you at the SVRC Marketplace, there is a picture that hangs uh, behind the counter. And is that of Acapulco? Yes, it is. Yes. Now, that was an original painting at the first restaurant. Yes. I, we have two of those paintings. Uh, we put one up at the Marketplace. 
that was done in 1967 by a David Torres. Oh, wow. David Torres, the artist. Yes. Wow. And, and you have another one? Yes, we do. We have another one. Okay. And so that's kind of like what you have from the old restaurant that was probably at the Hamilton restaurant as well? Uh, no, it was just at the Washington restaurant, but it was at a, another downtown location we did have. Mm-hmm. that caught on fire and closed down, and now the downtown uh, uh, mall is there now where it was. It was called the Acapulco. The Acapulco restaurant. Yes, I remember we, hearing about that. We had that restaurant, and then it, and then they, they shut it down, and then we moved the paintings over to, to Washington, and then Washington caught fire probably about three times. Really, the restaurant and and those paintings survived. <laughs> they survived it. I didn't know that for three times. That, yeah. You know, and and that's just like the El Gaito restaurant. My uncle Felix's uh-huh. restaurant that burned multiple times as well, where they had to move <laughs> and find different locations. Um, so I mean, that's just something that I guess goes with restaurants when you're yeah, dealing you with know, with a stove and grease and everything. Yeah, else. The, the extent of the fire sometimes is bad, sometimes it's okay, and they're able to salvage them. Yeah. Yep. Wow, that's that's incredible. That you're, I'm learning so much today here with Tony Garza from the El Faralito Restaurant. Tell me, Tony, uh, what do you feel um, has been the greatest contribution of the El Faralito Restaurant from a legacy point of view? You know what I what I've noticed, and people come to me, is that uh, we've been around for generations of people to eat. I talked to a, 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 a young guy and his little kid, and he said, yeah, well, my dad brought me here when I was a kid, and I started eating beans and rice. So now I'm bringing in my son. You know, I'm seeing three to four generations of people eating our food, Yeah, which, which, which it just blows my mind because they go back and they tell me about memories. And I said, yeah, I remember we did have a pinball machine. And I said, yeah, I used to pull a chair up to it, stand on the chair and start going and playing these games and things and I'm saying wow yeah yeah I I remember uh, mostly going to the El Faralito restaurant after the dances oh the, yeah whether it was at the Union Civica the <laughs> Grand Bailes or mm-hmm. or if it was at even at the Saginaw Civic Center we would go to the El Faralito you guys were open late I yeah. mean you you would be open late not like today's restaurants you it was like 11 o'clock at night 12 midnight right <laughs> and you would sit there sometimes if you were lucky you got the booth right there by the front entrance and there was that little cove there and it was just really old school because that was an old building probably built what a hundred years ago in the oh yeah in the yeah. early 1900s so early. That was something that, uh, especially the Mexicano people of Saginaw, where we were all familiar with, to to go to the El Faralito restaurant after the dances. And that was just really something. That was really a beautiful thing and a beautiful memory. And I, I know that I'm not just speaking of myself. I know other people have experienced that as well. So thank you. Thank you, Tony, for oh, all that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, uh, it's amazing. That was like my first shift. I worked the late night to like four or five in the morning by the time we got out of there. And it seemed like most of the people that came, they, they knew each other. Yeah. They knew each other. And it was funny because sometimes they would go home, pick up their kids, bring them in pajamas, and had, let the kids eat at, at three in the morning, you know? Wow. Wow. It's crazy. And I know they must have probably said, hey, Tony, you remind me of Punch. 
<laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looked like Eric Estrada back in the day when he was in high school. You're right. Does any does anybody in my listening audience remember that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember. That. Yes, you do. <laughs> he thought he was Mr. King Stud over oh, there no. at B- Buena Vista no, High School. That, 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 that was Larry at Bridgeport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tony and I are the same age, and we so we could talk about the eighties, or we could talk about the nineties. I'm going to bring you on here on a show and talk about the disco seventies. Sounds good. That? Sounds good. <laughs> no, so so there you have it. A longtime staple, a legacy, great contributions from the Garza family today with Betty at the uh, holding it down there at the SVRC marketplace and, and Tony as the backup. And, you know, these are children of immigrants who came from Mexico and uh, from Texas, Southwest, and brought with them their traditional dishes of lengua, carnitas, and menudo, all those Mexican delicious recipes. And they are the giants that many of us today in the restaurant business or the culinary food businesses, we stand on their shoulders, including their son, Tony, and many in the culinary field. It's it's tough to be in the restaurant business, especially during this pandemic and survive. But I, I got to hand it to you, man. It's 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 really something to see that after all these years, the El Faralito restaurant survives. And I want to thank you for being with us, Mr. Antonio Garza. Thank you for continuing to feed Saginaw, Bay City, the Great Lakes Bay region. And again, they're at the SVRC Marketplace at 203 South Washington in downtown Saginaw. And I really want to encourage all my listeners, everyone, to try them out if they haven't already and experience food with a long history within our community. What a true blessing. And I want to thank you again. Thanks for being here. Thank you for surviving. And thank you for just just being who you are in our community, Tony. Hey, thank you, Larry. You know, it, it really feels good to have someone like you recognizing us and, and bringing awareness and things like that. That's what we do. We talk here about culture, contributions, and what's the third one, Rob? Okay. <laughs> I'm putting my producer yeah, on the spot here. <laughs> Culture, contributions, and concerns. Concerns. That involve the Latino community. community. That's mi gente on air. So up next, we are going to talk about uh, the Mexican-American Council and their outreach to help our community get vaccinated with the Michigan Health Clinic. So don't go anywhere. Michigan is dialing back its COVID-19 workplace rules as the state prepares to fully reopen. Yes, Michigan has had 21,000 deaths and nearly 1 million cases of COVID-19 since this began in March of 2020. We really didn't know what was going to hit us. And it is such a, a memorable time because so many were affected and we will remember today and tomorrow and the michigan occupational safety and health administration announced the state rules will now align with federal osha standards that started tuesday june 22nd the updated rules will be in effect until december 22nd 2021 as a result the emergency rules issued back on may 24th are rescinded and those rules were announced two weeks after michigan reached the milestone of 55% of eligible residents with at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine. And I just just want to mention a quote that uh, our governor said yesterday. 
She said, as we continue to get Michigan back to work, our priority remains keeping workplaces safe for employees and protecting customers as they support these businesses. With our state at full capacity, we can boost our economy jumpstart, economic jumpstart, and ensure businesses can emerge from the pandemic stronger than ever while keeping their workers safe. And today, I have Mrs. Magdalena Perez and Raquel Martinez from the Michigan Health Clinic, who are partnering with local civic and church groups to get people vaccinated locally. Yes, we are still pushing to get Americans vaccinated to reach that 70% threshold that President Biden is trying to reach. So, Michigan Health Clinic is partnering with the Mexican-American Council, New Beginnings Ministry, and Radiant Church of God here locally in Saginaw, targeting the disproportionate populations to get their shot. So, welcome, Magdalena and Raquel. Tell me about what Michigan Health Clinic is doing. Hi, yes. We are a multi-specialty office. So, among COVID, we have other specialties such as dermatology, rheumatology, family practice, endocrinology, the list kind of goes on. COVID has kind of been our main focus the last year and a half. Um, So we've been doing a lot of COVID testing out in the communities at different colleges and testing centers as well as COVID vaccines. Yes. And, and, you know, when you talk about the COVID testing, um, there's been a lot of testing done in the state of Michigan. Roughly, uh, um, I think it, I saw the number at one point, um, like like 10 million, 10 million. So that's almost just like the whole entire population. But what made you get involved with the the, the community, like the Mexican American Council and the and the churches? Um, Mary, this is Raquel talking now. Um, so my role in the clinic is the director of outreach. And I've always had, in the clinic, has always had a passion to want to get involved in the community. Um, even though the numbers are lower right now for positive cases, um, the goal is to still make sure everyone is getting vaccinated and that that number is rising. Yeah, yeah, because although we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, we know that we still, uh, you know, have to be careful out there um, and, you know, wear our masks in certain situations. Now, the thing is, there is no longer a statewide requirement to wear a face mask in most settings as of last Tuesday, June 22nd. However, local health departments, uh, establishments, sports organizers and school districts may have additional rules that you have to follow if you are in attendance. So. Further, the CDC required that all persons, regardless of vaccination status, wear masks on airplanes, buses, trains, and other forms of public transportation and hubs. So, you know, it's still important. But what are you girls feeling um, in terms of the population that are going to get vaccinated? What, what are their fears? What are their misconceptions that you're running into? A lot of it is false information that's holding back, you know, the members of our community from getting vaccinated. Um, We, at our clinic, we do have, you know, information. If anybody has questions, they can always reach out to our clinic and give us a call. And we can explain anything that they want to explain to them in detail before getting the vaccine. We do offer the vaccine 
um, as a walk-in basis Monday through Friday. So if, even if somebody wants to give us a call and talk about this um, to clear up the false information that's out there, mm-hmm. that's something that we're willing to do as well. Yeah, okay. And tell me, SVSU, they're a part of this as well. They're giving a free giveaway. Um, they're the sponsor of uh, your uh, efforts with the Mexican-American Council and the Radiant Church of God and uh, New Beginnings. What, what is it that they're uh, giving away? Um, they are giving away gift cards um, that has been donated to them from SVSU, um, also SVSU gear, um, pens and things like that, phone gadgets. Um, so they have a goodie bag that they're giving out for those who come out to get vaccinated. Oh, okay. That's nice. They're, they're using incentives now. I, I want to talk a little bit about the benefit of getting vaccinated because I still think that's important to hear. I know that there is uh, some miscommunication, confusion for those who are still not getting vaccinated. So I want to just mention that the virus that causes COVID-19, it replicates quickly. And without the vaccine, you know, if you don't get the vaccine, your body has to identify the virus, learn how to fight it, and carry out an immune response. In the meantime, the virus can replicate to a level beyond what your immune system can handle, which means you feel sick. This is for those that may not um, get the vaccine, remember. So with the vaccine, if you do get it, your body can more quickly identify the virus and skip straight to starting its immune response. So that that's really um, important to know and to to push. And I also want to talk about the vaccine technology because I hear from a lot of people that they have said, and, and maybe you girls have heard it too. They said, "Well, you know that technology. They they just came up with it within the year, and uh, you know that's just too soon for me." Do you hear that? Do you get that from people coming to get vaccinated? Yes, we actually have heard a lot of people say that was one of the reasons why they have not got vaccinated. What people don't realize is that the COVID vaccine has been being worked on by scientists for many years. It's not something that they just did when COVID happened. It wasn't something that happened overnight. Yeah, yeah. And and, and when I talk to people, because I do, I talk a, a, about this a lot, especially at the Civica and I tell people there's a lot of misinformation that is being put out there. Some of it was from, uh, you know, um, the, the politics that were involved. But just, you know, this is something that came pretty quick. But scientists have been working on this for years. And, you know, the HIV, they've been trying to work on a vaccine for, for, for many years as well. And, you know, Michigan Gov reports that there have been over 14 million tests done for the coronavirus in Michigan. I said 10 million. It's actually been 14 million. What are the fears, other fears that you're seeing when it comes to people of color getting the vaccine? There are a lot of fears going on. We actually have a COVID-dedicated line that patients are able to call where we have a provider that will answer those questions that people might have. Um, so that is a number that we can give out anytime. So if anybody has any questions before they want to come get vaccinated in the office, they can call and talk to a specialist who is dedicated to those kind of questions. Oh, okay. So like Michigan Health Clinic, where, where is the actual location? We are located at 4707 McLeod Drive East. That's 
right in Saginaw Township behind the Fashion Square Mall. Oh, okay. And when you have partnered with the Mexican American Council and the Radiant Church of God and the New Beginnings, do they actually get the vaccine at those locations or still at your clinics? They actually get the vaccine at those clinics. So we have a COVID team also that is dedicated to going to many different sites in the community. It's not just the churches. We've done schools. We've done outside of Saginaw County. So we have a team that travels everywhere. If there are people that want to be vaccinated and can't make it to our office, we will come to you. Okay, so like at the Mexican-American Council, they have a clinic there where you can get vaccines, and that address is 1537 South Washington in Saginaw. And then at the New Beginnings Ministry Outreach, which is uh, one of the churches there, at 701 Hess Avenue. You can also uh, get vaccinated there at their clinic. And then Radiant Church of God, which is right at uh, West Genesee Avenue, 708 West Genesee Avenue in Saginaw. So those are three locations. And I want to give the times real quick. At the Mexican-American Council, on they can get vaccinated from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., and that's going to be on what day? So those our next date is June 30th. That's 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Radiant Church of God, 708 West Genesee, and they're also doing a food drive there that day. Oh, yeah, because they give that, that free food away, those big lines, and that, that would be awesome if people could also get vaccinated in their cars. Are they doing that? That is correct. We are doing a drive-through COVID vaccine day that day, so people don't have to get out and wait. They can just come through. It's really fast. The whole process takes less than 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah, that that would be very beneficial. And I, I, I want to tell my whole listening audience, you know, please get vaccinated. Uh, you know, we're coming out of this tunnel. I've said this so many times on this program, but we still have to get more people vaccinated for the safety of all of us. And sometimes if, you know, we're not wearing the mask anymore and you're attending events and it just seems like we're in a better place, which we are, I would hope that people are remembering that we could go backwards, you know? We could actually go backwards and have a third surge like we had the second surge in November during the holidays. And we don't want that. We don't want that, especially going into the winter months coming out, you know, out of summer. And so... It's important. It's important that uh, everybody is still pushing to get vaccinated. And I, I want to really applaud the efforts of the Mexican American Council and New Beginnings Ministry and Radiant Church of God for um, having these clinics and working with the Michigan Health Clinic. So I am thankful for that. So do you have any last words, Magdalena, in regard to your efforts? I know a lot of people aren't aware of the ages that um, you are, you need to be to be vaccinated. So we are currently giving the Pfizer vaccine, and that's ages twelve and up. Oh, so twelve and anybody twelve and up. Anybody twelve and up. Oh, okay. So that's great. So I want to uh, thank you, uh, ladies, for being on the show today and giving this important information. Uh, as we reopen and find ourselves out of the tunnel of COVID, remember we still have to do our part to remain safe. I want to thank you all. My guest, Tony Garza from El Faralito, as well as Magdalena Perez, Raquel Martinez from the Michigan Health Clinics. And I want to mention that one of the great things about coming out of this pandemic is the fact that the Friday Night Live concert series by uh, Pride is going to be 
starting up again this summer. Thank God we we are going to uh, be able to dance to the music, especially at Latin night. But I want to mention that El Farolito will be there these Fridays coming up. And when is that starting, Tony? Do you know? Yeah, it starts on uh, July 16th, uh, 23rd, and 30th, that which is the last three Fridays in July. And we also start the first three Fridays in August, the 6th, the 13th, and 20th. Wow. So you're going to be there each Friday. That's a, that's a lot of time, and that's a lot of availability to the Great Lakes Bay community to taste the great foods of El Farolito Restaurant. Thank you so much, all my guests, for taking the time to spend with me on Mi Gente on Air. And I wish you all a joyful summer in Michigan. And we will continue to promote Latino culture, concerns, and contributions on this show on WSGW here in Saginaw on Alpha Media. Thank you for joining me again. We'll see you next week. I'm Larry Rodarte. Hasta luego.